You're listening to a podcast of New Covenant Church. Join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. in Pompano. Hello. Hey, there I am. We're so thankful for, for Joe and Irma and for all the, the, the couples who have served uh, as active elders here over the years. We're so grateful for all of you. And um, Joe, uh, Joe is an electrician, and he, is own, he has his own electric electrician company, um, and Joe has done so much work for this church um, on his own dime and at, on his own time, uh, recently just installing new lights for us, and uh, someone who has worked closely with him is, um, is Gary, and I just found out today that, that Gary is, is, this is his last Sunday as well. Where are you, Gary? Are you here? Go ahead. There he is, Gary, brother. I just found this sad news out. We, we love you. We're going to miss you as well. And Gary has served also so faithfully uh, doing so many things, projects around this church. And so we are, uh, we are going to miss you, brother, and hope to see you and for you to visit and be part of, from afar, hopefully, of what New Covenant is doing. So thank you. All right. Well... Guys, today we're doing a Thanksgiving lunch after service. Um, the rain has seemed to look like it's going to pass us. Amen. <laughs> we're, we're, we're hoping. That's why we closed the blinds. We're like, we don't want to, I don't want to know. I don't even want to know if it rains. Just, it'll be fine. So we're going to have a great lunch after service, and you're all invited to go, to come, be part. We have, I mean, it's great, amazing food. So after service, we'll head on out there and just have a, a time to eat together, hang out together. We are going to be today, though, finishing our Awaken series in Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Um, this is an amazing story that we are going to learn a lot from today, especially as we think about boldness Boldness, that is the idea for today. Um, let's stand together as we read God's word. This is what Acts chapter 4, verse 23 through 31 says. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they had heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heavens who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth and set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. This is the Lord's word. You may have a seat. God, use your word to change us, to shape us, to transform us into your image, more of who you want us to be. We believe you are able to do this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
Today we're talking about boldness, and as we're, we're thinking about boldness, um, something I came across that struck me as quite bold. Um, you, you have, uh, what's been going on is you've had two of the richest men in the world, um, who are Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos, um, who kind of trade spots depending on the, the day and the week. And as of today, Musk is in the lead. $296 billion is his worth. Bezos at a measly $211 billion. Um, he, they were trying to win a contract to, uh, with NASA to build a, a rocket, a ship, a lander that is supposed to land on the moon. Um, we're supposed to be ferrying people back and forth to the moon in the near future. That's NASA's plans, and so that's kind of what's been uh, in the works. And so what happened was NASA gave the contract to SpaceX, which is Elon's company. And so what happens if you're a massive billionaire, second richest man in the world, Jeff Bezos, his company is Blue Origin, not Amazon, but that's a different company. Blue Origin is his space company. And so he didn't get the contract. And so what did he do? He decided to sue NASA. And I just saw, I was like, who does that? Like, how do you sue NASA? It's like, you know, I'm going to, I'm, I'm upset and I'm, I'm going to sue space. Um, like, I was like, wow, man, that is bold. And this is like what you do when you're the richest people in, in the history of humanity. You... You sue. You, you get upset. You take your ball. You go home. And, and look, I, I'm, I, I'm sure this is a lot more complicated than I'm making it out to be. And since then, recently, the, the lawsuit has kind of been like the court said, no, this is not happening. This is, this is ridiculous. You're not getting um, we're not changing our mind and then or the government doesn't have to change their mind. And so it's it's kind of a past thing. But this just got settled. And it just it makes me. It just makes me chuckle a little bit because we do, like, boldness is a, is a funny thing, man. It's tricky. Like, we have different views of it. We have different ideas about what boldness is. And it can be used to do great things in the world. It could also be used to manipulate and destroy. And, and we want the good kind. You know, and that's what I want us to talk about today. See, this, this is a story, what I read to you today, of, of the good kind of boldness. And even though we have all different kinds of views and thoughts on what boldness is, what it is, um, maybe you could care less about being bold. You're like, I'll leave that for people that are more extroverted and that have that kind of personality trait. And, I, and what I want to point out today and hopefully under, help us understand is that boldness is not a personality trait. I don't want you to think of it as a personality trait. I don't want you to think of it in terms of extroverted, introverted. Because, look, there are plenty of extroverted people who we think are bold, but they're really just being jerks. It's not boldness. It's not godly boldness. They're just loud. And it's really pride coming out. And then you got people that are introverted who stand up in the right ways, and who are very bold, but it doesn't always look like boldness how we want it to look or how we think it should look. And so there is a boldness that God wants from us that doesn't fall into the loud, brash, oh, you know, I'm just going to speak my mind, and that, that's, that's what boldness is. Or even people who are just, you know, all they want is peace and don't ever want conflict, and they're like, well, I'm just going to be quiet, and that's my stand for what's right and being bold. And actually, it's, it's really neither of those two. 
There's a boldness that God wants from us that's more than, a, more than personality trait. It's, it's about conviction. And how we communicate that conviction and really what that conviction is and what it's grounded in. Christian boldness, how I would define it, is a a God-powered, a God-centered action on a godly conviction in the face of threat. It's a God-powered action on a godly, like, surrounded, you know, clothed in a, a godly conviction, grounded in a godly conviction, and usually in the face of, of opposition. There's a lot of loud people out there. doesn't mean that they are exercising godly boldness. And that's what we want. See, we, we, we have a story of boldness here. And we, we already looked at what happens when we are awakened to God's purpose in our lives. When we are awakened to God's power. That's been the two previous messages. Our lives are changed. The world around us is changed. When we become awake to who God is and how he has made us and what he has called us to. His purpose, his power. And so we need to care about boldness. We can't sit back and be like, oh, you know, I'm just not like that. I'm not that kind of bold. No, we we need to be bold because it will bring change to us, to the world around us. God doesn't want us to just sit silent. And so we need to grow in this. We want to be awakened to boldness so that we can grow in boldness and care about boldness. See, growing in boldness means that we understand some things about who God is. Tapping into his power and his character is the only way that we're going to grow in boldness, at least in the boldness that he wants us to grow in. And we need this. It'll change our lives. It'll change the world around us. For the good. It's not easy. It's never easy. But if we really want to see change in this world, we need the right kind of boldness. We need godly, God-centered, saturated, awakened boldness. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And so I want, I want to help us understand where boldness comes from, how we, how we even find it, what does it look like for us, how do we step forward and step out in boldness when we feel like maybe we have nothing to say, or maybe you feel like you have a lot to say and we need your boldness to, to be altered and adjusted so that you, you have more wisdom and more grounding in your so-called boldness. So here, three things we're going to try, try to trace through today, okay? Awaken boldness. We're going to look at its source, its stability, and its strength. It finds its source in God's sovereignty. We're saying a lot about God's sovereignty today, so it's really excited about that. It finds its stability in God's will and its strength in God's power. Its source in God's sovereignty, stability in God's will, and strength in God's power. So how, how do we begin this? Well, first of all, before we start thinking about God's sovereignty and the foundation of boldness coming from God's sovereignty, let me just fill in a little bit of context from this story because we pick up in this, 
<laughs> it says, and when they were released, so someone was not released a minute ago, right? Someone was held captive. So here's, here's what's happening. Peter and John, two well-known biblical figures, right? Two disciples, mega disciples, right? And these are the guys that that were with Jesus in his inner circle. So they're out. This is the beginning of the church. So they're, they're out. They're preaching. They're telling the world about Jesus. And so what happens is this, this, this story is centered around Peter healing or God healing a man through Peter. It's an amazing story all through chapter 3. You can read it uh, another time. But this man was lame, lame. The Bible used the word lame, so he couldn't use his legs. His legs were weak for some reason, some disease, some birth defect, something. He was lame from the time he was born, and now at this point he's about 40 years old. So that hits home with me. I'm right around there. So I'm like, okay, imagine your whole life you can't walk. He's begging at the temple. They're at the temple, the Jewish temple, right? The, they're at church, the place where you think everyone's going to want to help you and love on you and at least be sensitive. And so he's there. He's begging. His friends would plop him down at the gate, right? So everyone walking in would see. And so he's asking for money, asking for money. And then Peter and John start walking into the temple, and he's trying to get their attention. Peter takes notice of him and says, hey, hey, look at us. So what do you think the guy's thinking? Payday, man, this is coming. I need some money. Give me some money. Something's coming, right? So Peter says, look at us. The guy looks, thinking he was going to get some money. And Peter says, look, I don't have any money. But what I have, I give you. Get up and walk. In the name of, the, in the name of Jesus, right? He's like, get up and walk. The, the guy, he takes him by the hand. He stands up. The guy is completely healed. And everyone just loses their mind around it in, in good ways and bad ways. You have all the people that knew of this guy that were, were kind of spectators looking on and going, holy cow, we know this guy. He, can't, he hasn't been able to walk for 40 years. He's just getting up and walk. So the man himself is ecstatic. He's hugging on John, hugging on Peter. He can't believe what happened. And then there is the group of people around who are not so happy about this amazing healing. It's the same people throughout Jesus' life who hated everything he said, wanted to kill him, eventually did kill him, and, well, they thought they did, and birthed Christianity into the world. And it says, because of this event took place, so everybody's gathering around, and Peter sees the opportunity, and he starts to preach. And he traces the whole gospel message to, to this crowd. And it says 5,000 men were, were saved, which you, the Bible talks about men in a sense like, okay, there were, there were more than just 5,000. It was families there. So it's probably around 10,000 people saved. Just like that from, this, from this, the, this, the start with this healing and then this amazing sermon that Peter preaches and God does this. And so the religious leaders are absolutely upset. They... They hate all of this. They don't like the attention being drawn away from them, right? It's like suing NASA. They get all upset, like, this guy was healed. They arrest Peter and John. And look at what it says. I just find this to be so hysterical. In the beginning of chapter 4, they were speaking to the people, the priests, and captain of the temple, right? Temp, we're talking about church. And the Sadducees, they were in church. 
Okay, they, it says they were greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming Jesus in Jesus the resurrection from the dead, and they arrested him and put him in church jail. It's crazy. I don't know what church jail is like or temple jail or whatever you want to call it, but I can't imagine it's, it's pleasant, but it's not probably as bad as like what happened in the Roman jail. But they're, they're taken into custody. They're arrested and they're, they're locked up for at least overnight because this happened late in the day. And so they're like, all right, we'll deal with you tomorrow. So they spend time overnight in the jail. And <laughs> so the next day the trial comes and they're trying to figure out, the, all the rulers, the leaders, they're trying to figure out how this guy was healed. And they go to Peter and John, they're like, what did you do? How did you do this? You know, how did this happen? And so they ask Peter and John, how, you know, how do you have power like this to heal? And Peter goes, I am so glad you asked. So he starts to preach to them. He starts telling them about Jesus. No one gets saved there. But they don't know what to do. The leaders, they're amazed at the boldness of Peter and John, right? I mean, you'd think in this, like, in the setting, oh, you're arrested, you know, we're scaring you, we're threatening you, that Peter would be like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, you know, we won't do it again. And they're just like, oh, let me tell you about the power of the resurrection and Jesus. And they start, he starts preaching. And so they hate this. The leaders hate what's happening, but they have a problem. The healed guy is there. He's still around. He's like hanging near Peter and John, like, you know, like, look, <laughs> look at me. And all the people saw it, and they all loved it. And so they have to let Peter and John go. They have to. So the Jewish leaders tell them, look, we're going to let you go, but you're not allowed to talk about Jesus anymore. You're not allowed to talk about him. You're not allowed to teach about him. And if you agree to that, you guys can go now. And <laughs> Peter's like, yeah, again, I'm, <laughs> nah. <laughs> I, I, we hear you. We, we, we think what you're saying is... You know, we understand the words coming out of your mouth, but you're, you're crazy. We have to do this. We have to. We're going to keep going. And there's nothing that the leaders can do, and they're like, all right, go, but don't talk about them. They're like, okay, we will, but <laughs> we'll, we'll, see, we'll see you soon. And they go home back to their friends and family. They tell them the whole story, and that's, you know, how they're forbidden to teach about Jesus, and that's where we pick up in our story. When they were released... And all this starts to take place. And this is the beginning of powerful move of the Christian church in the world. And so they pray. They sit down. They're all together and they pray. And as we look at their prayers, man, we, we just learn a lot. We talk about the source of this kind of boldness coming from the sovereignty of God. And this is a big word, okay? But this is where, this is the beginning point. See, if we don't get this right, boldness comes out in all kinds of weird and unhelpful ways. Everything comes out in unhelpful and weird ways. See, look at the first thing they say. When they heard it, they lifted their voices together. So they heard the story. They're about to pray. First words that come out of their mouth. Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven, the earth, and the sea, and everything in them. Look, they, they are tapping into something so powerful, so unique about who God is. They've just been through a, 
relatively traumatic experience, right? Highs and lows. Like this guy gets up, is healed. They get thrown in prison for it. And it's just the beginning for Peter, for John, for all the apostles. And the first thing they want to talk about is how God is sovereign. So what is that? What does it mean to be sovereign, right? We, we hear that term sometimes when we think about nations, geography, like the sovereign nation or this. It, it, one of the words that we use in English is, is despot. There's a despot, right? If someone's like a, a, a ruler with all authority, usually not in the best situations, right? It's usually a wicked ruler, a wicked leader, but they have ultimate authority, supreme authority, a despot. Well, that's where this word sovereign in the Greek, that's where we get our English word despot. It, it means there is nothing higher. This is a ruler, an authority, a king that is absolute, that has unlimited power. There is no higher standard. There is no higher authority. And with God, with humans, that's terrifying. It's horrible. We don't want that. But with God, this is one of the most amazing traits that we have and that we can hold on to, and that it, it, it comforts us, it protects us, it, it gives us hope. He is sovereign. He is in total control. He doesn't answer to anyone. He is the highest authority. And, and this is great, great, great news for us because he's not just some horrible human despot. No, he is the Lord of the universe who is loving, who is gracious, who is kind, who is merciful, who is just, who is holy. And this is meant to give us comfort. And it's why it's the first thing the disciples say. It's the first piece to their prayer because if God is not sovereign, everything they are going through and are about to go through will be sheer chaos. If God is sovereign, what does, that, what does it mean for them? What does it mean for us? It means that God isn't surprised by the events that unfold in our lives. He's not turning around one day and going, oh my gosh, what happened? God is in control. And I know we say that often to each other at times and you know, someone's going through a hard time. We're like, hey, brother, God's in control. God's in control. Do we believe it, though? We say it, but do, do we believe it? Do we really start to think about the implications of God being really, really, really in control? What do they pray? They pray, Sovereign Lord, and, they, and they, they go immediately to his role in creation. You made the earth, the heavens, the sea, everything in them. They are appealing to an element of who God is that is essential to us understanding the full power of God's sovereignty. He is big. He is really big. He is powerful. He is really powerful. He knows all things, really everything. And if we start to think about what that means for us, we can start to go, okay, because all we want to do tends to be as humans is go, well, God, if you knew this, then why, you know, why would you let me go through such difficult things? Rather than focusing on the other side of it and going like, oh, God, I'm going through difficult things. Thank you that you are with me and that this is not outside your control. It's a subtle change. But look, we just, we just want 
everything in life to flow very smoothly and comfortably and easily without resistance so that we can just be happy, comfortable, rich, significant, beautiful, whatever. But if we start to think about a God of the universe that is enormous and perfectly holy and has a a plan for all of human creation that it spans thousands of years, we have to expect that there will be some moments of difficulty or confusion or trouble. Now, do you want that trouble to be happening with a God who is out of control or fully in control? We have to switch our mindset. And so these guys just came out of jail, right? They're, they're persecuted. They're, they're in, they've been going through a lot. They're going to go through a lot more. And they're like, God, you are sovereign. We know that you are in control and that no matter what I am going through, you are with me, that you are a big and powerful and sovereign God and you have me. How can we sing today about fear being gone, about making a way and promises and all of these things? The battle belongs to the Lord. Like we sing these things and we're like, yes, the battle's yours. The battle's yours until it comes to our hands and we're like, the battle's mine. The battle's mine. And I got to fight. Now, God, just come alongside me and, and help me win my battle. No, it's rather than saying, God, you have it. You are sovereign. You are big. You are powerful. If God has made everything, the heavens, the earth, the sea, the land, and everything in them, he can handle your problem. He can handle your situation. He can handle, is handling what you are going through. He has allowed certain things to enter your life that you may not understand you may never understand, but they are, they are there to shape you and mold you and help you and teach you things you could never learn otherwise. And this is meant to give us comfort. It's meant to give us confidence so that we can live bold lives. What can man do to me if God is with me, if he is really that sovereign? And what this does is it, it gives us stability for a crazy wild life. <laughs> That's the second point. When we are awakened to boldness, like to, 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 in order to grow in our boldness, to be awakened even more to boldness and to become bold, we, we find stability in God's will, right? He is sovereign, and because he is sovereign, we can find stability in his will. The will of God <clears throat> is, a, is a tricky thing, and it's something that so many of us at times try to talk about, like, oh, what's God's will for me? What's, God's, where, the, what's the will of the Lord for who I'm going to marry or where I'm going to go to school or what I'm going to eat for breakfast or, you know, what, what, whatever it is, from the highs and the lows. We, some of us get paralyzed by decision-making because we're like, I just don't know if this is God's will. See, when we talk about God's will, we're talking about his plan for our lives. Not just our life, but there is a plan for humanity that we are, are living in. And I know that we all, and I'm this way, I, I like to think about the world really revolving around my plan and the way I want to live today. So if I'm driving down the road and you're going too slow for me, you are ruining my plans. So God, remove this person from the road because what I'm doing is important. Don't they know? 
Now, if I'm in the way of somebody, I expect a lot of grace and like, hey, I'm distracted. I, I, I didn't mean to. But when they're doing it, I'm like, you are purposefully hindering the will of the Lord. And we start calling down fire from heaven and take him out, God. Maybe it's just me. Look, look, we need stabilizing. We, we are in a destabilized environment pretty regularly, okay? I don't care what stage of life you're in. If you are a young person, teenager, young adult, 20s, 30s, if you are newly married, if you are oldly married, if you have children that are young, middle, old, if you're in work, school, whatever, it can feel chaotic at times. Yeah, amen? Okay. We need stability. Now, where we go to find the stability is troubling, okay? Who are we going to disciple us to, to find stability, right? I'm telling you, if, if all you're doing is 24-7 using that, that news cycle to find stability, you will be unstable, and your boldness is going to look terrible, See, we have to find boldness. We have to find confidence. We have to find all of the things in God's will, and, and that will stabilize us. If he truly is sovereign, then his plans are good, and we find comfort and stability in the will of God, and it keeps us on track, and it allows us to live boldly no matter what is going on around us because he has a perfect will, a perfect plan. He's got you. You look again at what, he, what they say in verses 27 and 28. He's like, look, in this city, there are people that are, that are here to go against you. They're gathered together against your holy servant Jesus. Gentiles, people of Israel, it talks about Pilate and, and some others. To do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Now, we're going to hold off on predestined for a second. Because right? it's, a, it's a little grenade, a little landmine right there. But look at, look at the words, your hand and your plan. I mean, there is so much happening in these two verses. Your hand and your plan, that's the will of God. God's hand, his plan, he has a plan. And with he has, His plan includes these people that are out to get him. That's what they're praying. Now, this is confirmed all throughout the Scriptures. So we're not just taking one little snippet from Acts and, and trying to create a theology around this. Look, God's will includes often just crazy things happening. And I know that it's just not what we want. It's not the way that we want it. But we, we have to wrestle with this, and we have to come to terms with some of these things. See, in the face of real opposition, these disciples, the apostles, they're finding Stability. In God's plan, they don't pray, God, would you remove them? Or give me? They're not praying for more comfort. What are they praying for? Courage. They're not praying for comfort. They're praying for courage. To, to, they're praying for their lives to be conformed and adjusted around God's plan rather than trying to pray, God, would your plan change so that I can be more effective and more comfortable? This is big for us, right? I mean, this makes us want to sit down because what do our prayers look like? Honestly. God, remove my enemies. Keep me safe. Keep me comfortable. Keep me, keep me, make me, help me. 
When we're, God is looking and saying, look, I, I, have, I have put some guardrails in your life. I have put some, some roadblocks at times because it is doing something not just for you, but for the bigger plan, the bigger picture. And I want you to trust me. I want you to trust my sovereignty. I want you to trust my will. And this will give you boldness to live in a way that is unlike anything you've experienced before. They want courage that they're going to be able to follow God in the face of these threats. And we see that other big word in there. <laughs> that they said your hand and your plan that you have predestined. Now, we're not going to spend a lot of time here because we just don't have the time. There's two ways that we can encounter this word. We can close our eyes, push it off to the side and say, I don't want to think about that or look at it. It makes me uncomfortable. Or... We read the Bible for what it is, and we say, all right, I'm going to wrestle with this word. We're going to go through the book of Ephesians in the New Year's, a little commercial. Okay, this is going to come up again. And it, will, you know, it comes up all throughout Scripture. How big is God? How all-knowing is he? How all-seeing? How all-powerful is he? How do we adjust to the plans and the destiny of God? And we don't fully understand how this works. But when we hear that word, predestined, like, whoa, whoa, does that mean I don't do anything? That means I don't have any say in the matter? I can't, look, we can't figure all that out right here or ever. But what we can do is we can look at what the Bible says about who God is and we can find either comfort in the fact that we serve a sovereign God that is Lord over all molecules in the universe. Or we can complain that it is some infringement to my humanity. He made my humanity. And if God says that there is an element to where he predestines life and events, then we have to wrestle with that. And come to terms with the fact that God is big and that there is mystery surrounding it. That he is sovereign, all-powerful, all-knowing. He sees it all. He knows the end from the beginning. But instead of trying to figure out how it all works, how should we respond? How does it impact us? Look, it, it should lead us to greater courage, comfort, faith, boldness. It should never lead us to inactivity and say, well, if God knows everything, then I'm just not going to do anything. And if he wants me to get up and get a job, he's going to have to kick me out of my bed. Don't do that. You're going to go broke and hungry. There is a connection, an intersection between God's sovereignty and man's responsibility that, that works in the Godhead and the God mind perfectly in tune with one another. We cannot flesh it all out. There's no three easy steps to understand the sovereignty of God, but it is meant to push us closer to him, closer to his will, closer to his grace, closer to his mercy. Look at what they say. Look at what they say in verse 29 and 30. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants... to continue to speak your word with all boldness. So they're praying, God, we see this is part of your plan, but we want to go ahead and still speak. Give us grace to still speak your boldness. And then what do they say? While you stretch out your hand to heal, 
and signs and wonders. Man, it's just it's a perfect illustration of, of man's responsibility, God's sovereignty working together in a mysterious, glorious way. God has said, God says, go speak. We're going to go speak. We don't understand how it all works. God, you're going to figure out the plans. You stretch out your hand to heal. You stretch out your hand to do signs, miracles, wonders. We're going to do it. Give us boldness to do it. It's hard, man. Like, it's, it's not easy for us to fully come to terms with it. I'll tell you what the, the, the bad side of all of it is. If it leads us to say that all of this is in our control, then we're in real trouble. Because you or I are not going to do so well in managing the universe. This leads us to greater boldness to do things for the Lord and for our city and for our family and for our jobs that we, we serve and are a part of a family with a God that is unbelievably powerful, big, and yet condescends to come and say, I want you to be part of what I'm doing. And that, that leads us to find strength in his sovereignty, in his will, and ultimately in his power. Look, God's sovereignty launched them into greater mission. It did. That's why when we sing, oh God, the battle belongs to you, like, yeah, man, it's your battle. I'm here. I'm ready. I got, I got you with me. Like, you're leading me, launching me. Let's go. Let's go. It didn't paralyze them. It didn't, it didn't paralyze them to go, well, God, is this your will? I don't know. It's, I don't really have a peace about getting, going to jail, so only if I find peace, then I do what you want, right? That's, that's, what, that's what we do, yes? Oh, I don't have a peace about that, so I'm going to go back playing video games. Find a lot of peace there. Or I'm going to go back to drinking my coffee, or I'm going to go back to, you know, <laughs> whatever it is. Don't just think because there's not a great peace over your life that all of a sudden you're out of the will of God. It's not really how it, how it works. Now, I do believe God gives us peace so that we, we, we work in the middle of troubling times. Look, we act, we speak, we trust God to stretch out his hand and to heal. That's the power of God. That's the mystery of God. It's, look, their boldness to keep going confirms what God is doing, and it conforms to what God is doing. God's will, God's plan, and they find the strength to continue. They just get thrown out of jail. They're like, yeah, we got to keep talking about Jesus. This is what he said. Now, understand, all the things that they're doing are exactly what God has explicitly commanded them to. Sometimes our boldness, we take up causes, we take up fights that God has not explicitly said. And we're like, I'm going to be bold for this. And God's like, well, that's your thing. You want to go to war over? Pick a thing. If God has commanded his people to live for him, to, to speak his name, to speak his word, we, we, those are the things that we fight for. And there are other things a little more nuanced and complex in, in this world that we can have opinions on, but let's not attach the name of God to it if it's not explicitly what God has said for us to do or not do. Look at what happens, man, when they pray this, this prayer. They're like, 
God, we're not looking for more comfort. We're looking for courage. We're, we're not looking to get out of the fire. We just want strength to go through the fire with you. And when it says, when they had prayed, this is verse 31, the last verse, when they had prayed, the place which they were gathered together was what? Say it. Shaken. The best earthquake. The place was shaken. And they were filled with God's power, the power that he has promised to all believers who put their faith in him, the power of the Holy Spirit. They pray for boldness. It's not that they didn't have the Holy Spirit before. I mean, clearly they're doing amazing things in the name of God. But he's like, look, I hear your prayer and I am going to strengthen you. My power is going to be with you. That's the Holy Spirit coming in. And I'm going to shake this place to let you know that I am with you and that you are going to go through some crazy, crazy times. But it is going to be worth it because you're going to change the world. You're going to change the course of human history. I am with you, and I'm going to shake this place, and I'm going to pour my spirit in you. So that what? And it said they left. They continued to speak the word of God with what? Boldness. Do you want that? Man, I, I, I know we're not all the same. Like we don't, like we don't, some of us don't even like to talk. Some of us like to talk too much. It's not about that. Let's get away from the personality characteristic, the traits, and say God has given you a mouth to speak. He has given you hands and feet. No matter what your limitation or what your, what your gifts are, he, is, he wants to use you. If you are older, if you are younger, if you are black, you are white, you are somewhere in between. If you are rich or poor, God has given you gifts and power to be used to change the course of this world. It, these guys were not educated. They were not rich. They were nothing. They were fishermen. They're in and out of prison for preaching Christ, and they're saying, God, we just want to do it with, with greater effectiveness. Help us. And God does, man. He gives it to them. He changes the game as they pray for boldness, to be part of God's plan. I'm ask the worship team to come up. Look, they didn't ask to just be at peace with their situation. They, they wanted to thrive in the middle of it. Let's get out of the mindset that just walks around with our head down and our shoulders slumped saying, oh, life is so hard. Woe is me. I can't, I, no one's ever going to like me or no one's ever going to listen to me or I can't do anything. Look, stop. It's pride. It's, it's, not the good, it's not the good things that God wants. It's the other side of the person that's just walking around with their chest puffed up being like, oh, I hate everything and everyone. And let me tell you what you need to be doing. And the loud mouth like that it's both the opposite sides of pride we want to come in underneath the banner of Christ and say Lord use me for the way that you have designed me and what you want from my life he will do it look where does all this kind of boldness come from what makes a person who is thrown in jail, beaten, marginalized, threatened, ordered to never talk about Jesus what makes that person dust themselves off and boldly go back out and do it again it's the power of the gospel Listen, this message is not about, hey, just, you know, get out of your comfort zone and like pull your, pull your boots up and grab on tight for the wild ride that's ahead and just do better and get, you know, get, get, snap out of it. That's, that's not it. See, we need to be awakened to who Christ is, to the power of the gospel. See, the, the, this power comes from, because each of those men and others who were with them were overcome by the goodness of God in their life. 
They saw it. They believed it. Their faith was strong because Jesus changed them. Jesus boldly, boldly pursued them. Jesus boldly spoke out on their behalf. They were able to do this because Jesus went through enormous pain and suffering and, and marginalization to secure their freedom, their life, their souls. So that's it, man. God's powerful, sovereign will sent Jesus to us to die on a cross because he loved us and he wanted to secure our salvation. That's boldness. We cannot overstate how bold God was for us. So now he says, hey, listen, become awakened to that power, that purpose that I've put in you, that Jesus came to love you and, and die for you. I have pursued you with everything. Now go out and be confident that I'm with you and speak. Bring life wherever you go. Get out of the mindset that everything just revolves around your own problems and, and, and worries and cares and see that there's a bigger purpose and plan that God has in place. You know what gives you that kind of boldness is knowing that you are loved infinitely more than you deserve and that God gave infinitely more so that you could have purpose and identity and security and approval and confidence and all the things that we so desperately long for. So let me ask you a question. What's holding back your boldness? What's hindering your boldness? Is it unbelief? I would invite you to believe in Jesus. Put your hope in him. Maybe you don't believe that he's sovereign or he's good or his will is good. Well, let me hear, let me, let me speak truth to you. God's sovereign will is perfect. His plan is perfect. Trust it. Give yourself to it. If you're paralyzed, just waiting to, to understand what God's will is for your life, stop. If you're waiting for everything to be perfect so that you can now step out in boldness, stop. Step out in boldness. It doesn't mean you have to go preaching on the corners of the streets. It just means you are living a life that reflects God's work in you. You're not trying to hide it. You're not trying to run away from it. But you are out there. You are at, at work. You are at home. You're at school. You are in the groceries. I mean, you're just, you, you have a disposition that there's something different. And maybe it's going to help curb some of the abusive, unhealthy boldness that we experience. And it's going to also help thrust some of us more quiet people into a place of using the gifts God has given us in the mouths we have to speak who he is. How will you respond today? God is calling you to a whole new world of boldness because it will change you. It will change your world. It will change this, this world for God's glory. Let's stand up. Let's pray. Father, you are good. Thank you. 
Thank you that your, your pursuit of us paid all our sin, paid all our debt so that we could now be free. That's what freedom is. So many of us wish we had financial freedom so that we could do more, be, be more bold with our finances, our generosity. God, you have done it. You've paid the debt. It is clear. It is clean. Now, you're asking us, what is stopping you from moving forward? What is that area of boldness that, that God is calling you to step out in today? Hear the word of the Lord and step out in faith. It might be that first step of faith, calling out to God saying, I trust you, I believe you. I'm putting my faith in you for the forgiveness of my sins. It might be, I, I'm, I'm going to get baptized. It might be, I am going to start a Bible study. I'm gonna lead a small group. I'm gonna serve in the church. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be different with my kids. I'm gonna, we're gonna start doing some some devotions. We're going to start reading scripture. We're going to, we're going to be doing more to to, so that the world can see that I am a follower of something other than what everyone else is just following day in and day out. God, show us the areas you're wanting us to step out in. And God, would you give us the strength and the boldness to step out in it? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's sing.